gear up as Cash Miller and a team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Welcome to Marketing Masters, the agency power show. Hello, everyone. This is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Masters and the CEO of Titan Digital. I've got with me today Kat Vaye. CV Strategic Marketing Solutions. Um, we're going to be talking healthcare marketing and somewhat, you know, there's like a lot of differences between healthcare and what we can do with other types of businesses. Um, you know, and I think it's really important. Like, there are agencies out there, there are people out there that focus on being able to market, you know, healthcare type businesses, but there's a lot of restrictions. There's a lot of things that we can't, you know, you, you can't do in that realm that you can do in others. And it, you know, it's good to be aware of the differences and stuff. Kat, it's great to have you. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, yourself and, you know, you're a consultant, you know, you operate as a, a CMO, you know, so give us a rundown. Awesome. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. My name is, again, Kat Bai. I am the CEO of CV Strategic Marketing Solutions. I'm also the co-founder of OM Growth Solutions, uh, excuse me, OM Growth Systems and Women with Dynamic Purpose. And uh, I have over 30 years in the healthcare B2B space, um, 28 of those as a, in the corporate space and nine uh, as an entrepreneur. I help um, leaders in the healthcare B2B space change their marketing mindset and develop a winning strategies to help them get, keep, and grow their clients. Um, I use my 3D strategic marketing approach to help them define, design, and deploy you know, their strategies. And uh, healthcare is an interesting uh, place to be, but I love that space for uh, several reasons, but that's, uh, that's about me. Well, healthcare marketing is typically, I mean, you know, it's patience, you know, it's being out in front of people, getting patients and stuff. Is that an area that you typically, so when you're working with clients, what, what is your primary focus you know, in the healthcare space? Well, the interesting thing about healthcare, uh, I work in the B2B space, so I work business to business. But ultimately, anytime you're working in healthcare, the ultimate client, if you follow it all the way through, is the patient, right? So you always have to be thinking about it that way. There's a lot of regulations. There's a lot of uh, interesting um, things about access to data, how quickly you can get data to individuals, but there's the security aspect. So it's it's thinking about how you're gonna communicate that information, but always keeping that there's a patient all the way at the end of the line. Okay, so, you know, in the in this space, there's a lot of, you know, restrictions. There's a lot of things, you know, there's a, a many of the, you know, different aspects to healthcare marketing to what you can do with other types of businesses. Yeah, you know, and a lot of similarities like marketing in, in general can be very open, but there are certain industries, healthcare being one of them, um, others that come to mind are, you know, guns and, you know, certain to, like tobacco products, things like that, that are very restricted. What are some of the, you know, restrictions? Let's start there. So people understand how marketing in the healthcare space is limited. Well, there's two aspects. Number one, when you're thinking about medical devices, anything that goes within, inside the body, you have to really um, consider 
the FDA and what you can say. You can't say things like it's the best in the world unless it's the best in the world and you have <laughs> proof, yeah. you have physical proof. So there's a lot of data, especially if you're in the medical device you, uh, uh, space, you have to be very careful uh, of how much emphasis you put on things unless you have data behind every single point. So when mm. you're marketing, you're trying to be exciting, but you can't be too excited about what you're saying unless you have the data. With <laughs> regard funny. to um, the technology services and solution side, it's less of that FDA um, uh, component, but it's more about the compliance and understanding HIPAA, understanding um, state regulations versus a uh, federal. It's understanding um, how the patient will ultimately understand what you're saying versus what the um, executives in the hospital, you know, want. You know, so it's a really just understanding how to take that information and articulate it in a way that's meaningful. Because you're when you're working with an organization, you're working with the com compliance folks are very comfortable when they speak to a marketer that understands all these components, you know, how do they get paid? How do they, mm -hmm. the, where does the insurance company play? How do you talk about that? How do you talk about the, the, the regulations and making sure you're not um, um, violating any one of the regulations that are out there. And then when you're working with the sales team, you're providing enough data. So it's not just milk toast. It's not like, Oh, this is a great solution because they need to talk a little bit more in depth. So you, want to provide that information that really kind of touches on what's important to the buyer and the um, the decision makers at that organization. Let me ask you, okay, so you hit on something that um, I had not personally thought about uh, much in the case, you know, and we've dealt with some, you know, healthcare type organizations anyway that have some concerns, but you mentioned federal versus state regulations. Is there a lot of difference, you know, when, you know, come the different states that you have to take into account? Because if you have an organization that's working cross state, you know, you have to consider, you know, both states, you know, being different is, do you see a lot of that kind of stuff or do you know of a lot of differences? Yeah. Well, the, the difference is, especially if you're talking about HIPAA and compliance uh, related things, the, that's when it's important for the sales, right? Because when the sales folks, when, when you're marketing statewide, you're more talking federal, but when you start, start talking to one-on-one -on -one to a particular state, you want to make sure that the data and the information that you're providing to that salesperson, and they're talking to somebody in Alabama versus somebody in California, they don't sound like they don't know what they're doing because you're just giving them <laughs> things. You know what I mean? So that's when yeah. you want to have, it's almost like you have a deck of information or you have access to information so you can allow and provide that information that makes sense to that particular buyer. So it's when you start talking and having the conversation. So when marketing kind of passes it over to sales, once they've, you know, help with the no like, and trust, getting the, mm -hmm. you know, clients closer and so on and so forth. Then when you're helping sales with that content, that's when you've got to know. So your consideration is, you know, like we've worked in some different, you know, niche industries and stuff, you know, specific segments and whatnot. Um, insurance is an area that we've done a lot of work with uh, over the years, independent agencies. And you have to know this, the speak really to kind of be accepted. But so what you're saying is, 
you may know healthcare, but you need to know healthcare in Alabama. Yeah, and that's kind of where your regulations can come in and things like that because you have you're going to have differences versus if you're in California, you know, and how to and the people you're dealing with would know the difference. Right. And you know, many times it's it's not 100% of the time, but it it's helpful. It kind of gives you that leg up if you're speaking and you know those little nuances. Then that organization will say, "Okay, they know where we are." They understand. And as a marketer, if you're diving into that and you're really learning about that and you take that extra step, and especially if you're, you've been in that space a long time, it's easier to kind of hit the mm-hmm. ground running and help an organization. Let's talk about the, you know, the compliance a bit more. But, you know, as if you're going to if you're a healthcare organization, you know, and you're intending to do marketing online or how do you, is there an approval process that you have to go through? I think of, you know, you get pharmacy ads, you know, or the, the big pharma ads, um, you know, for different drugs and stuff. And then if you look at the digital ad, it's got all of the, just like if you hear it on TV, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe this, 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 you know, by the time you've heard everything, you're like, I don't want to touch that drug, <laughs> you know, because of all the side, you know, complications, potential side effects and stuff. But they have to do that in digital ads and stuff too, from a marketing standpoint. Is there a, you know, what is, I guess, how do you end up in compliance? Like you do these things, but is somebody checking them or are they like, you know, how is it, you know, working on that end or is it just, Hey, we're, we're self-governing. We know we have to do this. So let's go ahead and do it. Well, that's why you have your internal compliance folks, right? That's when, that's when I was saying that uh, compliance folks within an organization, they're more comfortable when the marketing, the lead, the head of marketing understands you know, what they're talking about. So this way they'll avoid the minefields. You want to be able to connect with your compliance folks. So this way you are saying, make sure you're not saying this or make sure you're, you know, and that's, it's an internal. Okay. But that's where the the connection is. And that's where you want to make sure that you're on the same page. Because if you're, it's almost like self-governing and if nothing Mm -hmm. happens, okay, great. But if something happens, then yeah. your reputation is on the line. Then you're, you're, you're doing all of this other work on trying to fix the mistakes. And then people start to think about you differently. And maybe if it's um, bad enough, maybe there are fines associated with it. Mm. Then we're talking revenue. So it's internal for each organization. They should have a compliance person that truly understands compliance and it's not like a side job because the um, negative aspects are are quite large so okay so they govern themselves the organizations you know they'll know how they can you know sort of the boundaries they can push and things like that you know but you when it comes to marketing marketing is all about building trust you know, with your audience and everything. Yeah. But it seems like it's more of a challenge from a healthcare perspective, because again, like, it's like I say, you know, you watch the ad and then you hear all the side effects and, you know, it's, it's like, why would I want to try that? So how do you end up building trust when at the same time you have to tell all of these negatives to be, you know, transparent about it? That would, you know, cause that goes against building trust. I'm going to tell you everything that, is wrong with this drug. Now, 
it could be that one out of you know a thousand people had any problem. I know that there's a like right now they're having an issue uh, the uh, weight loss drugs that have come out. There's two of them. Um, I don't remember the names, you know, but apparently they're extremely effective, except that a few people um, have had uh, intestinal issues, you know, that have come up. And that part's also become very public now because of it. So, you know, and one of them, I think, just uh, sued one of the drug companies, you know, over it. The drug itself actually has worked for a ton of people, though. It's, you know, the, the small number of people that have had negative side effects. I mean, it's very minimal if you think about it. It's just, but because of the popularity of that drug, it's become, you know, like it's very noticeable when something goes wrong because people are going to say something. Yeah. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about that now, I don't um, work as much in the pharmaceutical area, but the interesting thing about that drug is that it's really for another reason. It just happens it's to a, have a side effect that- it Yeah, it's a diabetic drug. Right. Um, and so people are using it, and I don't know how that's going to work out for the physicians unless the person is diabetic, you know, and yeah. or people using it that are not diabetic and so on. So, well, but, but well, in the in the case of that particular one, yes, it came out as a diabetic drug. But what they're finding is is they're mm -hmm. doing they've been doing test groups and stuff yeah. on weight loss specific because it's been ex extreme, like mm -hmm. it's been very noticeable that it does a yeah. lot of work for you over, you know, uh, the course of a year and stuff. So now they're testing to see if they can get approval that way. And it is being kind of recommended as a, yeah, as a side was, benefit at the moment. Yeah, there was a drug many, I would say about 20 years ago that I swear all my neighbors were using. <laughs> it was Fen, Fen Fen or Fen something. Oh, I remember, really, yeah. And people were losing weight like crazy. And then suddenly it's like the more people started to use it, the population uh, grew and then you then you can see more um, negative effects. But yeah. with regards to those um, to those kind of ads with all those negative kind of, the, they're telling you the truth of all the side effects. Yeah. People have been desensitized over the years because mm. okay. this started because uh, um, drug companies could not advertise for about, and it was only about, I, I want to say 15 20 years ago, maybe, yeah. but they started to really advertise, you know, because before they didn't, they weren't, mm -hmm. but they yeah. had to, they had to list all of these things, but people start to get desensitized. And then the, they, they look at the commercial, they look at, that's why the, these commercials are so visual and they have so many happy people and they have, As they, a counter. they're, they're telling a story that mm -hmm. outweighs the negatives and everybody is starting mm -hmm. to understand that the percentage of something happening. And then it becomes, do I want to look wonderful? Do I want to feel wonderful? Maybe I'm not that person that's, this is going to happen. Mm, yeah. And then those, that, that quick list of negatives, it's like, okay, it's there, but we see that on everything. Yeah. People are, have really become, I believe, desensitized about that list. You know, and sometimes you hear what's if you're listening and you hear it's like your leg falls off or your whatever. <laughs> and you're yeah. and and but the the pain, the 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 outcome is greater in than the pain in the mind of the individual, and so they go for that. And really all they're doing, these companies are trying to create a brand. So this way when someone goes to the physician's office, because in the past mm -hmm. A patient would go to a physician's office and say, I have this problem. Give me a thing. We didn't know what the thing was. 
Now we're saying, give me Ozempic, give me yeah. this thing. We're, we're naming the thing. And then the doctor right. then says, yes, no, or I'm going to give you this other one, whoever he has the contract yeah. with or whatever. So yeah. what these, what these ads are doing, even though they're talking about a thousand negative things, they're turning us into people that are asking for the thing, which changes the conversation. That That's uh that's really insightful, honestly, because it's like you, you've you got there. We are getting to know the brand names. So they are doing a ton of brand awareness for the drug itself. I couldn't tell you which you know drug company made it. I but the, they're focused on the names of the, mm-hmm. you know, the drugs. And then, yeah, and you're right that they desensitize you to all these negatives because you're watching I just keep thinking that there's this one where this lady like is literally dancing and then everybody else is dancing and the mailman comes up and he's singing and you can tell it's not the guy, you know, actual dude. <laughs> you know that but everybody looks so happy, you know, about how their life is so much better on this drug, you know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, you, you become desensitized and actually even though you can if you're paying attention to what they're saying, you can hear it going on in the background at the same time they're singing, you know, and stuff. And, you know, everybody. So they're almost distracting you from the negatives because we've got all of this positive energy, essentially, you know, on the other end. So and when people are in pain or people are discomfort, people, they mm-hmm. want to see a better outcome and this is what they're showing them you could feel better you could you know Mm -hmm. and they they have to list and and really those percentages are usually very very low it could just be one person that had that effect they have to put it there you know so yeah that's a a good point too yeah so it's as low as a single person has it you know has this happen to them and they can attribute it to the drug then they have to disclose that the possibility at least exists, but the percentage is actually, you know, could be like really minuscule. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, in the case of, cause you deal a lot in like, you know, or have dealt with medical devices and things like that. Okay. So how do you go, you know, cause you're kind of looking at two ways of marketing with that, right? You know, for one, you've got people that, you know, would buy medical devices, certain things directly, but you deal with a lot of selling them to organizations and stuff. Is that right? Well, the medical devices would go directly to the hospitals, right? So if you're selling, if you're a medical device company, you're selling normally directly to a, you know, healthcare organization and the, the, um, the work that has to be done, has to happen before you start marketing, right? So all of the, as a, when I was a product manager in that space, you had to make sure that your medical device, um, you know, did, did no harm, that it, um, um, that it made sure that the colors or if there were anything on, you know, it had to go through all these regulatory uh, processes and then you had to submit it to the FDA. And once they said, yes, they gave you this very limited way of talking about it. Then, then the compliance department within the organization would give that information to the marketing people. And suddenly you have to try to market it based only on these things that the, um, uh, that the FDA and the compliance department have outlined. And that's where the tricky part is. You know, how do you differentiate, differentiate yourself from the competition if you can only say certain things? So that's where, 
you really start digging into what's important to the prospect and kind of talk to them emotionally, right? You want to talk to them about those things. You can't just say, this is the best laryngoscope in the world, right? Uh, But you can talk about the physical attributes that make it better than maybe somebody else. So you have like all these, you know, you, you have limitations on, you can't go saying you're the best, really. You can't say any, so you have to, it's, it's an interesting thing because it's a very nuanced way of doing marketing. You know, I have to figure out, I think it's the best, but I've got to really say how it's the best without actually using the word best. I need to, I need to find those points that differentiate it. So I would almost want to buy my competitors' products in a sense, you know, a sample. So I have different, you know, and I can put myself as a comparison so that I can understand the differences as a marketer. Then I know where my points of emphasis can be, you know, for my audience. Yeah, and that's one level. The other level is that's where your brand becomes a differentiator, right? Because you want to say, I, if, if, if you focus on your brand, and the exceptionalism of the products you're putting forward, then people tend to trust, oh, this brand here, um, they're going to always put out good quality. And Dr. So-and-so uses this. And that's when when, um, recommendations and um, getting folks to talk about your product uh, from their perspective is so important when you can get someone to do a testimonial about your solution that's so important in healthcare because they listen to each other more than they listen to you so if i can't use the word you know i can't really say um, you know it's the best product or anything but i could go based on what you're saying is i could say something like trusted by You know, so many, you know, trusted by over a hundred organizations nationwide or right. something like that. You know, uh, it could because that I can prove. Yes. I could just, you know, if somebody questioned it, I can show you my customer list and say, exactly. these people buy this. Exactly. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. And I and I get your your point of testimonials. The first thing, though, that comes to mind, you know, just in saying that is I see those uh, the ads that have, you know, they always put some physician dentists or something, you know, in the ad that's saying, hey, I recommend this. I always wonder if they're actual, you know, real doctors that they Well, if you look pay. closer under the picture, they always have to disclose if they are, in fact. Sometimes you'll see actor representation and it's very uh, small or it says actual client or so on. But they have you have to disclose that on the ad mm-hmm. and it's there. And the, the trick is to talk about it in terms of and, and that's the trick. You don't want to just say, oh, it's the best. It's great. Right. I use it. It's why is it, you know, and it's it's usually what's important to that organization, right? Is it, it makes my patients happier. It makes my patients trust me more. It brings me more revenue. It, it uh, reduces the stress uh, from my day-to-day staff. It's really kind of honing in and tapping into what's important to that particular buyer. I'm a big Mm -hmm. believer of the Maslow's hierarchy of need and understanding the different levels and what's important to that target audience. And you really need to talk to these folks and understand not only what the product solution service gives you, but 
what are the after effects? What pain does it avoid? And what um, benefits that's important to that particular individual, what does it bring forward? And that's the thing, those are the things that make the conversation a little more compelling. How do you go about getting that? You know, so, I mean, there's a lot of reach out, I would assume, to be able to get essentially those testimonials to mm -hmm. find those, you know, things that, of why they like the product. Why is it better, you know, than others, you know, so to get that, you know, that information, you have to go through a lot of, you know, reach out to be able to deal with it, you know, to get what you need, right? Yeah, um, certainly. The One of the things I am a big believer that marketing needs to be part of is advisory groups within your organization. And even as part of the onboarding process, like let's say if you're bringing on new clients and what's that process, marketing should be involved in that because then we can tap into and find those clients working with customer service operations and so on, those clients that are most satisfied with the product. Also, if you create an advisory group and it's either led by marketing or marketing is one of the key um, uh, leaders of that group, then you're asking the right you're able to ask the questions to kind of see, oh, this client actually uses the product and is happy because of something different right. than other people are. So it's just really, so it is outreach, but you've got to make it an active thing beforehand. Right. You don't want to wait till you're ready, you know, to, to yeah. get, um, uh, uh, recommendations or, or testimonials. This is some, something that has to be put on the front end as the whole part of the process. So this way you're saying, you know, we're going to get this client in. This client is a super user of our solution. They're very engaged. We're engaging with them. Let's get them on the advisory group. Let's do surveys. Let's yeah. go on site and see how they use the product, see how other people, you know, so it's not a small task, but it's got great um, it's got great benefits. Yeah, I can, you know, I can definitely see that. And you can kind of go through your customer list to figure out, you know, based on orders and stuff, who are your super users, essentially, you know, to see who, you know, you want to kind of be able to dive in deeper with things, put them on an advisory group and such, because you see, because they're, they become actual true advocates, because, you know, I say if they're selling anything more already, then they've probably already figured out really the, the, maximum amount of uses or whatnot, whatever that product may have, you know, the full benefits of it, I guess. Yeah. And so those are the ones that are going to make the most sense for everything you're doing, whether it's a group testimonial videos, stuff like this, because so it's, it's also going to come off as, you know, more authentic, you know, too, with those people, because they're true believers in the benefits. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, in the case of ROI, let's talk that for a minute, you know, because how, with the different areas of healthcare marketing, how are you measuring everything? I mean, the, the obvious one is like patients and stuff. And, you know, if you're on that, that ultimate end user, you know, did we this year bring in more people than we did, you know, and I hate to say it, like, I think of hospitals, I'm like, that seems horrible because we don't, you know, a hospital wants more patients, but as a society, we should want to be in there less, you know, um, but how do you measure it, you know, for like different segments? Well, uh, if we're talking about B2B organizations, many times it has to do with ultimately growth, right? But 
the, one of the best things I start with is where are we today and where are we tomorrow, right? So when you start a marketing project, program, whatever, the most important thing to do is, or one of the most important things to do is to get where you are today. How many leads are coming in? What's the brand awareness of your product? How many people are using it or, or what's the, the, what's, what, what are people saying about it? So you have to almost immediately get that information. So this way you can then talk to the leadership and say, what do we want to do? What do we want from our marketing? What kind of growth do we want? Do we want more brand awareness? Do we want more leads to go to sales? Do we want, um, more people to click our website and sign up directly. But if you don't know where you started and you just start and begin, then you start looking at the numbers. You don't know what your growth was. Mm -hmm. You don't know what your percentage is. And then you, you lay down that information. You make, you identify what your KPIs your key performance indicators are, and then you can track them and you do the, whatever the strategy and then put the plans in place to get achieve those things so it's hard to say an exact number but because it always starts with where you begin and then you well it puts the importance on benchmarking everything you know when you first start a campaign which is general marketing rules you know you should be benchmarking Mm -hmm. you know where you are today so that you can see the growth and you'll be able to see it over time and so and then you have to figure out at the same time you want your kpis so that you have you know what metrics are we going to track you know so that we understand where the growth can you know matters to us yeah and we have to be honest with ourselves too because um how long how long does it take for someone to make a decision on your product right if you're you're selling a widget like when i was in medical devices i would sell um uh, let's say no scalpel vasectomy sets right i could sell that to urologists and i could do a promotion where i knew that i could do two buy two get one and then a month, I can have an increase in sales, and I can see that right away because yeah. that's a very small buyer. And and the 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 amount of money was um not, uh, was within that the, that particular buyer's ability to make a quick decision. Hmm. When you're talking about technology that's going into an organization that will affect the whole organization, that a lot of people have to make decisions on it. Yeah. You have to be um, honest about the buyers journey and the cycle how long does it take does it take three months six months ten months a year is it part of an rfp those are the things you have to be also aware of so you can have marketing but um really maybe the marketing is just to get people to know like and trust you to get closer enough so this way you can get it into sales hands and then sales has to do their whole process which may take months in order to close the deal. Yeah. So that's the important part too, really being honest with yourself. Yeah, having real, realistic expectations, but also understand the journey mm-hmm. and know that different products, different services you sell could be a different cycle. Uh, and so, you know, some of your payoff might be further, you know, like, you know, as an agency owner, we deal with RFPs occasionally too. 
and the cycle can be months versus something that comes direct to us. We're not competing necessarily. You know, there wasn't a you know a request you know put out for a proposal. Somebody came and said, "Hey, can you do this for us?" And then we negotiated over it. So your your sales cycle can be much much shorter in those instances versus something where you know somebody wanted a proposal and you're stacked up against how many companies you don't know. Yeah, and healthcare um, uh, uh, RFPs. Um, can be a big factor. So then marketing's role is to make sure, well, two things. Number one, you've got to make sure you're on um, the list for an RFP, mm-hmm. but also if not, you're, you've got to work on the brand. So when they're doing the RFP, they're thinking about you. Oh, we got to get so-and-so organization on this list. And so that becomes part of the thought process. So it's understanding yeah. how that those folks buy that is an extremely important aspect of the whole marketing in the healthcare space. Yeah. Okay. Well, this has been like a fascinating discussion. Kat, how would people get a hold of you when they need a, a fractional CMO and a healthcare marketing expert? Well, you can go to my website and at www.cbstrategicmarketing.com or you can um, connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, look for Cat Bai. I'm telling you, I'm the only one. You can find me there. Let's connect and you can DM me and we can chat. That's great. So I'm the host of Marketing Masters, Cash Miller, and I'm also the CEO of Titan Digital. It's been another great episode. We've been talking healthcare marketing. It's something that not everybody, you know, de- you know, totally understands. There's a lot of, you know, ins and outs that go to it. So it's been a great discussion and glad you could join us.